0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. 855 2124 Send the tweets. Send them hot at Ken Carmen C-A-R-M-A-N. I tossed and turned all night. I didn't know whether or not I was going to do it. And at the final moment, five minutes ago, I decided, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. Because I'm reminded of something. Camp opened this week. And I was reminded of something because of the NFL. I was reminded of something because of what happened during the NBA Finals. We had James Herbert on. And I like and respect James Herbert. Don't get me wrong. But I I was disappointed by James. James Herbert, CBS Sports NBA writer. He's from Toronto. His family had season tickets to the Toronto Raptors. And I asked James, I go, and it was what, 2-1 at the time in the series? I said, if if Toronto wins this, what do you feel? How do you feel towards the fans? How do you feel towards yourself, that memory? I'm looking for something there that tugs at the heartstrings. That's not... Overly cool, overly calm, overly collective NBA writer does. And you know what I'm talking about. NBA writers seem to be very cultured people, cooler than everybody else. They dress better than any other writers. They're they're a different breed. Here's a guy who's from Toronto. His team's about to beat one of the greatest dynasties in recent sports history and in modern sports history. And I said, well, how would you feel? And even though I like and respect James Herbert a ton, I get well, you know I'd be happy for the fans and uh you know they they struggled a lot, but you know it's uh it, it, it it's a good story I'm going, how could you go to Raptors games back in those days, see Vince Carter see Chris Bosch. See those players over that time play for you, then leave you, then here you get this guy, this Kawhi Leonard out of a trade and like a comet in the sky, take off and win an NBA finals and that's that's the best you could give me. I don't want to be that way. I can't be that way. I can't I can't do it. It's just it's 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 too deep, it's too ingrained. I'm too excitable. I can't do it, and I won't do it. I cannot allow myself to do it. I understand where I'm at. I understand that I'm talking about all 32 teams. I understand that people have thought for generations that I'm to call it down the middle and be as honest and truthful as I possibly can. And I try to be as honest and truthful as I possibly can. But, boy, I can't. help myself i can't help the excitement i'm still gonna do it hickey chef hit the music baby let's get going turn it up chef it was 1950 in the cold and
0: rain when my father took me to my very first said the rounds are gonna show you how the game is played
1: here we go down the line, on the line, I've been told for too long, you better keep that music going and keep it loud, Shep, because I've been told for too long, the dumpster fire, the embarrassment, the laid down losing, the utter stupidity, I've been told for too long, for 20 years that this thing was a waste of my time. That it was time to go with Tom Brady and the Patriots or Bet Favre and the Packers or possibly one of the other quarterbacks. To even become a Steeler fit, it can't be done. And I don't care if he gets into it with radio show hosts. I don't care if he gets into it with Giants fans. I don't care if that makes you mad because he hasn't earned it yet. I don't care that he shook his garbage in Kansas. I don't care that he planted a flag and ran from cops at lunch trucks. The proud Uprising has begun, America! From sea to shining sea, from Timbuktu, to Portland, Maine, to Portland, Oregon for that matter. From Baltimore, to Cincinnati, to Pittsburgh, to Kansas City, to Indianapolis, all the way to New England. 2019, it is time, like a phoenix, to rise from the ashes of ineptitude, of suckitude, of dumpster fires past and to put the Cleveland Browns back where they're supposed to be, among the creme de la creme, among the greats, not just in the NFL, but in all of professional sports. It's time to wake up the Echoes. Bernie, Sipe, Minifield, Dixon, Clay Matthews, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Time to put away the boogeymen. Manziel, Gilbert, Mingo, Shelton. Even though we like Tim Couch, still Tim Couch, even though he probably still would have been okay if he just wouldn't have gotten injured. It's time to exercise those demons. It's a new day in America. Training camp has begun. And if you're going to be excited about yours, I'm going to be excited about mine. All right, Hickey, go ahead and make fun of me. I know you're champion of the big. Go ahead. I mean, Ken. So you can't, a you can't steal it my shine, baby. Bleed. You can't I'm do it. You. Pump the brakes. It you're a Colts fan. July 27th.
0: 2 years after your team didn't win a game. I, you listen here, Please.
1: and you listen good, Hickey. I couldn't pick your quarterback out of a lineup of Amish people, and none of them like their picture taken. <laughs> so right, that's that's the biggest dig you have, huh? All right, I guess I'll take it. It's coming, baby. The Browns uprising 2019 has begun. Oh my god, I'm excited. I have sat here, folks. If you listened on Sunday nights, you'll have you'll have an idea. I've sat here through five producers, busted my stones on on Sunday night after Sunday night football, week after week, year after year. Moralia, Hickey, Joe, Stu, Tom. I'm throwing Shep in the mix at six. I'm throwing Moraz in the mix at seven. I don't even know Brian Monzo. I'm throwing him in the mix. That's eight. I'm throwing Zach Gelb's dad, Bob Gelb, in the mix. That's nine. I'm throwing Alvin Delora in the mix. I don't even know him. That's ten. Just putting my stones up on the dresser like Method Man and just banging them with a spike bat every single week of every single year while we've been on CBS Sports Radio trying to make the best out of a historical loser like Hugh Jackson and a guy who had the very best of intentions but was beaten down by Johnny Manziel and Mike Pettin and Project Pat Shermer and Rob Chanczynski used to hide behind the desk during interviews to now Freddie Kitchens, Odell Beckham and Baker freaking Mayfield I know you're excited I can tell you right now I'm excited All right, go ahead, chef. Fade it down. (laughs) Your city don't have a guy like Michael Stanley. My city has a guy like Michael Stanley. You guys don't have anything. There's like 18 people who claim... There's like 18 cities in like three countries that claim Bruce Springsteen. We got Michael Stanley. I'm not going to hear anything else. In Pittsburgh, you got Donnie Iris. Please. Please. Chicago with the old 97s or 98s or 96s or Whatever. Michael Stanley, baby. But it's good. It's exciting. And I say the Browns because immediately I'm sure there were people who clicked out, and that's fine. Hopefully they'll be back. But there were definitely people who rolled their eyes. If we're going to talk about it, we might as well have fun with it. And obviously, all of us who do this grew up being a fan of a team or or became a fan of a team or it just was ingrained in our our system and over time because we wanted to be hot-taked. We wanted to be standing out from everybody else, and we wanted to call it down the line. We wanted to do it differently here. But we all became sports fans for one reason or another, and it's mostly because of a team. So how can I bear to call it down the line? If the Browns suck this year, I'll tell you the Browns suck this year. But, man, I got to tell you, just to get it off my chest, to be excited that there's a possibility with a lot of other teams there that you could very well compete or it could turn into a train wreck. Still, it's going to be interesting, and hopefully it'll be fun. I mean, this is what Steelers fans have felt like. This is what Colts fans have felt like in the past. Chiefs fans, with how many different quarterbacks now? Patriots, you're on a different level. I grant you that. But as I start off this show, today's a day about pressure. This week is a week about pressure. Teams taking over their training camps, starting training camps, and there's teams that I don't feel have a lot of pressure on them whatsoever. And one of those teams, the Colts, I, I, I do mean that, even though that they could be a Super Bowl contender. But because of their personality, because of their entire profile, which is very under the radar, they seem like maybe a dark horse. Colts are an incredible football team. Very, very talented. Chris Ballard's done an incredible job over the last couple of years. Oh, now, two years into his tenure. You have Andrew Luck who's back, who looks like he's physically returned finally from the injury and made do with that last year because it was just a couple of things to be back in the NFL and winning some games, and then they surprised some people and got back into the into the AFC playoffs. But I don't look at the Colts. I really don't look at the Colts as a team with a bunch of pressure on them right now. Patriots, I think that you could put a high school team in the NFL. I think you put Alabama in the NFL, and those teams would have more pressure on them than New England Patriots right now. Detroit. Detroit, I don't know whether you're coming or going. The Saints, everybody just – and I, I know that I brought up a big thing about the NFC Championship game, and and I was so disappointed in Sean Payton and what he did and his freak-out job afterwards. I still don't think that the Saints have any pressure. I think people love the Saints. And even though Drew Brees, any year could be his final year now, we love Drew Brees. There's very little Drew Brees can do that's going to draw the ire of fans. I love Drew Brees. You love Drew Brees. I think Falcons and Bucks. And Panthers fans, even though they might hate the Saints, they might very well love Drew Brees. And I think the Dolphins, we know what the Dolphins are trying to do. Maybe Josh Rosen is able to, I can't believe I'm saying this in year two, salvage his NFL career. Maybe he's able to do that. Maybe Brian Flores is able to get those guys going. Or maybe they're just going to do what they're kind of been planning to do, and that's lose some games. I don't think that there's very much pressure on him at all. If the fans get something and Josh Rosen, hey, that's great, you got yourself a quarterback, and you got yourself an opportunity now. And if you don't eh, well, you got two attack of Ilo who's going to be coming out and, and Jake Fromm and Justin Herbert, and you got, you got yourself a chance there. And then there's teams that just have so much pressure oozing out of camp that I can barely contain myself. I wonder if in Super Bowl 53, Jared Goff was exposed. And because Jared Goff was exposed, maybe by proxy, Sean McVay was exposed. Maybe that Sean McVay has to do so much for Jared Goff. Maybe Jared Goff was exposed because of that. I think the Rams have a ton of pressure. Because if you can't count on the quarterback being able to supersede everything, and I don't know if they can If you can't count on the quarterback being able to make up for things and be more powerful than everything else in your football team, I don't know if you can get the job done. And with how good they've been over the last couple of years, with the resurrection that Sean McVay has done, with how that feels now in L.A. where it kind of seemed like, man, this looks like already a bad fit again. There's a ton of pressure on the Rams. The Steelers, with what Big Ben said and with, with, with with the way it ended with Antonio Brown, what Big Ben's saying just about, you know, I don't need that type of guy on this football team, and they get rid of him. Now it's Juju Smith-Schuster who's the number one. Will he be able to profit the way he was able to profit with Antonio Brown on the other side? I think the Steelers have a ton of pressure. Mike Tomlin side an extension. I still think if they were 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven this year and didn't make the playoffs, I think Mike Tomlin's fine. I think if you really want, if you're a Steeler fan and you want to fire Mike Tomlin, then I think you have to hope that the bottom falls out. And I don't think a Steeler fan is going to do that. There's far too much talent on that football team to hope that the bottom falls out to something like 5 and 11 or something like that. You do not you do not want that to happen. That's a waste of your talent. That's a waste of your players. That's general manager conversation. That's more than just Mike Tomlin. I know there's a lot of Steelers fans who think that Mike Tomlin costs some games, to think that they'd be a playoff team with a different head coach, maybe even in their own division. I still don't think you should really want that the Steelers are a team that has have has had patience with coaches more than anybody else out there. And if you want Tomlin fired, you better hope that some horrible things happen and I don't think that you can do that. I think the Chiefs have a ton of pressure getting back exercising the demon of the Pittsburgh of the New England Patriots What's Patrick Mahomes going to do? We, we now know what happens with Tyreek Hill, and that he'll be on the football field. It's a huge plus for Patrick Mahomes. Even though Patrick Mahomes is an MVP quality quarterback, you would say that Patrick Mahomes should be able to get them over the hump. But again, now as you start to turn this over and you start to think about Patrick Mahomes and going into year three, you do start to think about Patrick Mahomes' future contract. You start to realize that some of these guys that you're able to pay, you're going to have to start ripping them off over the next couple of years to be able to pay Patrick Mahomes to be the type of quarterback that he's already been and what you want him to be for you. This is a very big year for the Kansas City Chiefs to be able to cash in with Patrick Mahomes being on the cheap. I think the Cowboys are one of the teams that have the most pressure on them in the NFL, maybe the most, other than the other team that I just brought up and I'm going to bring up again in a second. I'm going to have Ari Temkin on here in about 20 minutes and we'll talk Big 12, I got to ask him something up here about the, about the Cowboys and about Zeke Elliott. The first thought that a lot of people had about Zeke Elliott, get rid of him, trade him. I don't know if you can find a market for a guy who's going to cost you that much, who's already holding out two years until his contract is up, who's already doing that two years in, and has a legal problem every single offseason. What are you going to get from him? And by that maximum, I think that the, the Dallas Cowboys have done it the backwards way. You get your quarterback in the first round. You don't get your running back in the first round. You get your running back in the fourth round. But I think Dak Prescott needs him. And you know what I say about Jason Garrett if you listen to the show at all. I think Jason Garrett has a hand up his back and he's being manipulated by Jerry Jones. I think he's a puppet. And if Jason Garrett's going to get the job done for the Dallas Cowboys or Jerry Jones is going to do it, he has to have Zeke Elliott. And if he doesn't have it, so many people go, well, you'll just be able to fire Jason Garrett. The difference is is that Jason Garrett is an extension of Jerry Jones. So it's not just Jason Garrett who looks bad. It's Jerry Jones. It's Steven Jones. It's them who look bad. But you all of a sudden need to pay Zeke Elliott because he's the key. He runs you into the postseason. He relaxes Dak Prescott. He relaxes the rest of that football team. No matter what I say about him off the field, still being silly, still putting himself in precarious situations when he really shouldn't be, when he still has a huge investment that's that the NFL would just love to give him as a dual threat running back. No matter what I say, you're still beholden to him. Dak's beholden to him. Jason Garrett is, and by that proxy, Jerry Jones is. There's a ton of pressure on Dallas to repeat what they did last year. There's a ton of pressure in Dallas to get going in the direction they need to get going because I don't know necessarily what's going to happen with Zeke Elliott. I think that he has you by the short and curlies and you need to sign him. But by that turn, if you continue to be a good football team, you can't just let that Prescott walk. And the other team with some of the most pressure on them just because of the mouth, just because of what I do, just because of what I just did. Not just because of that, obviously. I, I think it's the Browns. So strong, so fun. Back in January, they were the darlings of the NFL. And now there's a lot, a lot of people. Hey, you've earned nothing. You're seven, eight, and one last year. You beat nobody, even though they were 0-16. I you you gotta stop talking about Hugh Jackson. You gotta stop talking about the Giants. You gotta stop talking about all that stuff that was last year. You can't sit there and keep using last year as a motivational tactic. Dave Gettleman doesn't want to answer questions about him anymore. Eli doesn't want to answer questions about him anymore. This is all done. The only thing left there is to do, the only thing there is left to do is to win on the football field. And you got a tough schedule to start off the season. You're going to be in the national spotlight. You'll be on Sunday night football. You'll be playing the Rams on Sunday night football, defending NFC champion. And that's going to be the game in week three where people are going to talk about whether you're ready or not or whether you're not ready, no matter what. You're in hot take land now. Before it was just everything's bad and you try to defend because it was bad because you were fans. Now now it's different. Now you live in the land, the Patriots and Chiefs and Steelers and Ravens and Chargers, those teams, you live in the land that they've lived in for the last how many years? You live in the land where a guy gets a guy gets fired because of week three loss. You live in the land where everybody turns on you if you lose, and you live in a land where everybody becomes your favorite football team if you win, week by week on the basis. You live in a land where you you push mainstream daytime television sports talk every single day now. And the biggest question for 2019, can you handle it? Can a rookie head coach, can a second-year quarterback, can a wide receiver who has had many problems and has been maligned by his former football team, will you be able to hold things down and do something that nobody has done in Cleveland since 1989, which is win a division, and nobody's been able to do in Cleveland since 2002, which is go to the playoffs? There are kids who went to kindergarten who are graduating high school who have never seen you go to the playoffs, and you're talking tough. No matter how big of a fan I say I am, no matter how big of a fan I am, I can't cover up for that. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Who's got the most pressure in 2019? It's Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio. CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line, 855-212-4227, brought to you by Geico. There's a quick way you can save money. You switch to Geico. You go to geico.com, 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Jimmy Johnson, not the head coach, the seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. He joins us at a.m. Eastern, also or p.m. Eastern, I should say. Ross Tucker, NFL vet, host, analyst, Ross, Ross Tucker football podcast, Myfrontpagestory.com. We'll talk NFL with him. Coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 Pacific. The quarterbacks with the most pressure on them. Now, we do teams with the most pressure. I, I gave you a top five a couple of months ago, just during the off season. We talked to a lot of NBA at that time. And then I, I start off this year. I think Rams, Steelers, Chiefs, Cowboys, Browns. I think that those are the teams with the most pressure on them. I think the teams where it's pretty easy going, and Hickey probably disagrees, he's a Colts fan. Colts, Patriots, Lions, Saints, Dolphins. For a multitude of reasons there. But with the quarterbacks, I came up with five categories and I gave it a score about why I think they have most pressure. I think team organization included their coach whether or not their coach helps them, hurts them, whether or not their coach is about to be fired or if he's stable in his job, media, how much pressure the media puts on that coach or on that quarterback. Fans, how much pressure the fan base puts on that quarterback. Just by what I hear from you on Saturdays, what I hear from you during the week. The personal pressure that's on that guy. Contract, his own personal brand, endorsements, hardware, whether or not he's going to make the Hall of Fame or not, depending on age. Those type of things are brought into that quotient. Five's the most, one's the least. We do that at 1 p.m. You're going to be surprised with a couple of the names that are thrown out there. Giving a total score. One guy has a score of 6 in the AFC. The other guy has a score of 22. And it's probably not who you think. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Up next, we switch it up. Power 5 previews. The Big 12, it's up. Who wins the Big 12? Who surprises in the Big 12? And i got to ask a Cowboys question. Ari Temkin going to join us. Big 12 this morning on SiriusXM. Also part of the Cowboys radio network. We'll ask him about Zeke Elliott and whether or not he really has the Cowboys by the short and curlies. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio. It's a good acid trip song. Tonight, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, join CBS Sports Network for this summer's hottest hoop league. Don't miss the basketball's biggest legends, all-stars, and champions with the big three on the 24-hour home of CBS Sports. One hour from now, seven-time cup champion Jimmy Johnson will join us on the show right now. It's the Power 5 preview because now we're inside of four weeks left. It's time to get going. College football less than a month away now. And to talk about the Big 12, we did the the Big 10 last week. To talk about the Big 12, we welcome in Ari Temkin. He is host of Big 12 12 this morning on SiriusXM. Also, the Cowboys Radio Network. Find him on Twitter, Ari Sports. Ari Temkin joining us on the show. Ari, thanks for joining us.
0: Absolutely, Ken. How are you
1: doing, man? Doing well. Who wins the Big 12, my friend? Oklahoma. (laughs) Is there any question? Is there ever a question of it? Is it just like, yeah, yeah, Oklahoma's going to win and that's it?
0: I think they've won it 12 years in the history of the Big 12. I mean, there, there's a Kansas basketball level of dominance for Oklahoma in the conference. And look, you know, it, it's probably not that easy of an answer as I made it seem to be because of Texas this year with Sam Ellinger coming back and, you know, they've got a bunch of playmakers on offense and a great running game. And, you know, there's certainly question marks about their defense as they lost a you know, big portion of their defense and, and especially the linebacking core. That, that's probably the biggest question mark for Texas, but, no, look, it's it's hard not to have the credibility and, and belief in Oklahoma based on what Lincoln Riley's done in, in just a short, a few short year, few short years. So, so much of what I believe with Jalen Hurts at, at Oklahoma this year is just based on the credibility of a guy like Lincoln Riley, who, you know, in two years has a couple of college football playoff appearances, a couple of Heisman Trophy winners, and a couple of number one overall picks.
1: Are they gonna go back to the playoffs with Jalen Hurts this time? That would be an incredible job by Lincoln Riley.
0: I mean, yeah, I, and and there's no reason not to think that they 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 couldn't considering you know look they they should be again in the driver's seat to win this uh, win this conference you know it, it, uh, to compare them to Texas, you know Texas plays LSU week two in Austin. It's gonna be really fun. But you look at Oklahoma's non-conference and they open up the season against Houston, which you know Houston's okay. And now they've got Dana Holgerson, who's familiar obviously with Lincoln Riley in the Big Twelve. But beyond that, I mean, there's not much in terms of non-conference for Oklahoma, and then you know, once they get into the conference, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts and CeeDee Lamb and Grant Calcaterra and uh, Trey Sermon and and, and uh, Kennedy, you know, I, you know they, they are just loaded on offense. And, you know, the biggest question with Jalen Hurts is his ability to throw, which is obviously a big question mark for him in Alabama. And, and you know, he's such a dual-threat guy. So how much will Lincoln adopt and adapt his offense to, to sort of cater to Jalen's maybe ability to run more so than to pass? But – you know, we'll see how much he's developed as a passer. Um, you know, it was a great piece by a colleague of mine, George Schroeder from USA Today, who wrote about um, sort of his evolution as a passer on the bench, working with, you know, the staff at Alabama to help him evolve as a passer. So we'll see. I mean, if, if anybody, you know, if, if a quarterback could be successful, they could certainly be successful in Lincoln Riley's offense.
1: All right, Temkin, joining us on the show. Well, this might not be the time in the interview, but it's always the place. That would be three trips to the playoffs with three different quarterbacks, three straight years, two of which were number 1 overall picks. Say the bottom falls out in Dallas. Ari, what's the chances that Lincoln would uh, would would receive a call from Jerry Jones?
0: I mean, I would say that would be best case scenario, quite frankly. Okay. You know, Cowboys fans are enamored with Sean Payton. You know, Sean Payton was here in Dallas when Bill Parcells was here and and there's a history here, but if I had my choice, if any coach I could have, it would be Lincoln Riley, even over Sean Payton, which might be crazy, but I just I just think you know, we don't know exactly what the ceiling is on Lincoln Riley. Um, and, and with Peyton, obviously the, the the piece to that is, well, you'd need Drew Brees to retire because there's no way that Peyton's going to leave New Orleans unless Drew Brees retires. You know, I, what I heard was the Cowboys reached out to, to Lincoln Riley this offseason. So they, they wanted to gauge his interest. And, and had Lincoln Riley said he was interested, he'd be coaching the Dallas Cowboys right now. So <laughs> the fact that he's not... Gives a pretty good indication that, you know, he he wanted to stay at OU. And and I just don't know that that's going to change a year later. But with that being said, if Lincoln Riley is still not wanting to leave Norman and come to Dallas after this season, well, then there's other viable options of the Big 12, too, with Matt Rule and Matt Campbell, two guys that have already gotten overtures from the National Football League.
1: What, to Dallas? Yeah, why not? Matt Matt Rule and Matt Campbell and possibly to Dallas? Sorry, well, right. well, you're getting my, no. I, I don't think you're crazy. You're just getting me all excited. That's all. I'm sorry. I came <laughs> off wrong. This is the first time we've spoken. So excited, like what? I think you think I'm stupid, Kent? No, 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 no. I'm just getting really excited by it because I'm going. Wow, Matt Rule's done a hell of a job, and Matt Campbell's done a hell of a job, and you're looking to go the college way. Well, I guess those are two ways you could possibly go, and that get me pretty excited about that. All right, Temkin joining us on the show. I want to ask you about pressure a little bit later on, but I got to get back to it with Oklahoma, with the Sooners, with the Big Twelve. It, it, Texas would probably be picked to finish second. Is there any? Uh, it's year three. They were really, really bad. No, I think that some of that part, I think some of that was Mac Brown's, or uh, was max's fault. But I, I think that now they're starting to get the bull going in the right direction. What does Texas have to finish this year for you to say that they're on the right trajectory, Tom Herman's the real deal?
0: they've got to get double digit wins. You know, last year, they won 10 games for the first time in a decade. So that's, you know, that they have to get there. And if they get there, then they're in contention for, you know, uh, the college football Playoffs, the big 12 championship and and beyond. So, you know, but look, I I think this, this program has clearly turned a major corner. You know, I, I, look, Ken, I was in Austin covering the Longhorns at the beginning of the end after they lost to Alabama in the National Championship game and they handed the reins over to Gatorade National Player of the Year and Garrett Gilbert. That's when I started in Austin. And, you know, it just recruiting took a turn. They weren't developing guys, and it, it really never rebounded. And that's, you know, conversely, that's when a and started to move into the SEC. And it's amazing. Max Olson at Athletic did a great piece recently on just how much of A&M's move to the SEC has impacted recruiting in the state of Texas. And it's been dramatic between Texas and A&M, whereas when I was in Austin, Texas never, ever, 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 ever lost a recruiting battle with a five-starter with it to A&M. Ever, ever, it never <laughs> happened. And now it's happening all the time. So, you know, t- that was what, what what Tom Herman really had to do when he first got to Texas was was reestablish the dominance of this program in the state. And he hasn't exactly done that, but, man, they, they are just – there's so much depth there in terms of the guys they have. You know, I mean, they, they used to have – like their, their first-string offensive line was, you know, questionable in terms of having five guys that look like big-time Division one athletes. I mean, that, that's how bad it was. Now they've got, you know, first-string, set, uh, a whole, you know, basically 10, 11 guys. That, I mean, when they get off the bus, you're like, wow, but these, are, these are big dudes. These look like big-time college football players. So, I mean, that, just from the physical standpoint, when you look at the dominant teams in college football, Texas was completely lacking. And they're back, they're back there in terms of recruiting. So now they've got to put it all together and and get back to 10, 11 wins, which obviously they did again last year for the first time in a decade.
1: All right, Temkin joining us on the show, host of Big 12 this morning on Sirius XM, also part of the Cowboys radio network. Follow him on Twitter at RE Sports. In a blink of an eye, Mike Gundy's been at Oklahoma state for 15 years now. Is he on the hot seat after a seven and six season?
0: I wouldn't say that. And I mean, he's been very, um, you know, he's, He's he's had a very interesting off season where he's really looked at himself and and pointed the blame for last year on him and and when we, we caught up with him a couple of weeks ago at Big Twelve Media Days you know he he, he was you know very open about that and saying look that th- we were not disciplined we were not focused it was the little things we weren't paying attention to and that's on me you know he he kind of got like fat and happy in a sense and you know and so he he is reinvigorated refocused and not just that but, I mean this team is loaded with talent. I mean, they they have a young quarterback who is a highly recruited kid out of Texas named Spencer Sanders who should be their starter. You know, there's a quarterback competition going on between him and an experienced guy named Drew Brown, but it should go to Spencer Sanders. And if that happens, they've got one of the best receivers in college football in Tylan Wallace on the outside. They've got Chuba Hubbard who's going to be a household name at the running back position this year. So, you know, they've got the pieces. I I, I wish it was Chuba Hubbard. It looks like it should be, but it's Chuba. That's the only (laughs) unfortunate piece. But, look, I mean, they're, they're going to be really good this year. But you know what's crazy? In the 100-or-so-year history of Oklahoma State football, they've had double-digit wins like 11 times. And of, of those 11 times, Mike Gundy was either the quarterback or the head coach in 10 of the 11 times in that program. He is Oklahoma State football. So, like, he, he has completely, as a quarterback and now as a head coach, redefine success at Oklahoma State. So I, I would say, no, he, he, he isn't on the hot seat, nor should he be. But, you know, we'll see a couple of seven, six, you know, a couple of more seven and six seasons. And, you know, now all of a sudden he can't say, oh, it was these little things I wasn't focused in on. You know, it, it, it's a good and viable excuse one season, but certainly it's, it does not project out uh, in the future.
1: I really don't want to ask anybody else. It seems like anybody who might be thinking about being replaced has already been replaced in the conference. If there's no surprise, I don't need a surprise, Ari. But is there a surprise team this year in the Big Twelve?
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, look, Oklahoma won, Texas two, and then when you when you go down three through seven, man, you can make an argument that any of those teams could be there. To me, the bottom of the conference is pretty set. I mean, Kansas will be there, obviously, and that's my alma mater. Um, and then, you know, probably West Virginia and K-State also. And then Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Iowa State. I mean, you can, make, you can make a viable case that any of those teams could finish three. You know, Brock Purdy at Iowa State was tremendous as a true freshman last year. They have one of the best defenses in the conference at Iowa State. And they're a team on the rise. I mean, you mentioned Matt Campbell, and, I mean, he's, he's a tremendous coach, one of the best, most underrated coaches in college football. I love Matt Wells uh, Texas Tech. You know, Alan Bowman is a guy that was injured a ton last year, but um, he's coming back and was a true freshman last year at quarterback that is really, really good. And uh, Matt Wells, Utah State last year was second in the nation in scoring at 47 and a half points a game. So, you know, that they should still be a high-powered offense with guys you know, with a lot of talent. Um, Oklahoma State, we've already talked about. TCU is, is a lot of people's favorites, to be kind of a surprise. So, I mean, look, Baylor with, 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 uh, Connor, uh, with Charlie Brewer, um, you know, quarterback and, and really good experience. there, A lot of playmakers. So, you know, again, you could make a viable argument, Ken, that, that five teams in this conference could finish third.
1: You're on the Cowboys Radio Network. This is some good stuff, by the way, Ari. Ari Temkin joining us on the show. You're on the Cowboys Radio Network. What would you do with Zeke?
0: I'd trade him, but I'm a crazy person. because I don't think (laughs) running backs matter. And look, Zeke is the best running back at football, in my opinion. And since 2016, he has 600 more yards than any other running back uh, running the football. 600 more, and he's missed eight games since 2016. He also has 100 more yards from scrimmage than any other running back. That's 100 more than Todd Gurley since 2016. So he's the best running back at football, but he still doesn't make a difference. That's how... That's how unimportant running backs are in the modern game. The Cowboys were three and four and had one of the worst offenses in the NFL last year with Zeke Elliott and without Amari Cooper. Well, they had Amari right, Cooper went right, seven and right. two.
1: Yes, I think a lot of people agree with you. And I'm, I'm, I'm short on time, so I just have to put this in. Well, do you, do you salvage what you can get because it seems like the, the the market for running backs has completely fallen out? You took this guy third overall. Like, what are you going to get for him in a trade that's that's even somewhat equitable? Well, I mean, the Giants still
0: took Saquon Barkley as high as they did, so maybe there's another team out there that still has belief that the running back has that much value. That you can get a first-round pick for
1: him. Yeah, Saquon Barkley hasn't been in trouble with the law. That, that's true. Now, look, Zeke, Zeke, mm.
0: Ze, Zeke the, the, the stuff with him in terms of you know, character, I think that's overdone. I think the league has a vendetta against Zeke in particular, especially relative to some of the other things that have been done. But, I mean, you're right. That, that, that follows him. And, Absolutely. look, I, I think the Cowboys are going to pay him. I just don't know that they want to pay him now.
1: I dig it. Ari, I wish I had more time. I'm serious. I thank you so much for the time. All the best. We're going to do this again soon. I promise you.
0: Anytime, brother. Be well.
1: Ari Temkin, joining us. Host of the Big 12 this morning on SiriusXM, also Cowboys Radio Network, Ari Sports on Twitter. I, I think they'll pay him, too. I know a lot of people say, trade him. Trade. Trade Zeke. Well, trade Zeke. Well, it, You're not going to get your equal value back. And if you trade Zeke, what's Dak Prescott going to have left? You could look at the stats. You can look at what Dak Prescott wasn't able to do in the red zone. Zeke Elliott's a security blanket. And if the bottom falls out, I can say this. Dak Prescott's not the worst quarterback in the world. I'm not making that argument. But if the bottom falls out, I can absolutely give you the argument. Hey, the Cowboys did it backwards. You take your quarterback in the first round. You take your running back in the fourth. Eight five five two one two four cbs Up next, a lot of college football programs could do a lot more good for themselves if they just remember who they are. It's Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.